Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Legends of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Andy Bernstein. And to say that uh, this is a very special episode for me would be an understatement. <laughs> um, we have an amazing guest, a guy that I get to spend uh, almost an hour talking to, a legend of legends. I don't know if there's a, a level above legend, but uh, he, he is definitely it. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, uh, the great Jerry West. Um, Man, I, I'm remembering way back when I met Jerry, uh, when I was a young photographer, and quite frankly, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I was sent to do a photo shoot and uh, in his office, and man, I was just so intimidated. But he um, he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he couldn't have been more accommodating, more, more wonderful to work with. And uh, that led to the next shoot, which was for the NBA 50 book, and so many interactions after that, and of course, I was there for the entire Showtime era, and uh, Jerry talks about that in the podcast. He talks about being uh, drafting a young man uh, out of high school, trading for him during the draft in 96, a guy named Kobe Bryant, and bringing him into L.A. with Shaquille O'Neal, and the Shaq and Kobe era was born in three championships. Jerry then went on to uh, go to Memphis. Then he went uh, to the Warriors. And when anybody else at his age would retire and just, you know, keep playing golf, um, that wasn't for Jerry. <laughs> Jerry at 79 uh, took another job. And now he's been an executive for the Clippers for, what, about three years now. So he has a lot to say about the Clippers, about the Lakers Clipper rivalry that hopefully we'll get to see more of during this uh, pandemic ridden bubble season and uh, more to look forward to with that. Jerry's a pretty complicated guy. Um, there's a lot to talk about with Jerry and I referred very heavily to his book West by West written with Jonathan Coleman, the subtitle My Charmed Tormented Life. So that kind of sums it up. Uh, Jerry uh, is very forthcoming in the book. He was very forthcoming on the podcast about his struggles with depression, mental health issues, uh, his ultra competitiveness. And, um, you know, this book came out nine years ago. And we have players now who are really speaking up uh, very vocally about uh, their mental health issues and trying to get more and more players to feel comfortable, more and more current athletes and former athletes to be comfortable bringing mental health awareness out to the forefront. And I think they, myself, all of us have Jerry West to thank for that because he really led the way with his book. So folks, really, um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I 
Absolutely love talking to Jerry West. Big thanks to Chris Wallace at the Clippers, and also especially to his dear and wonderful wife, Karen, who really made this happen today. So thank you to them. Thank you to all of you for downloading this podcast and listening to the great Jerry West, Zeke from Cabin Creek, Mr. Clutch, also known as The Logo. (laughs) And I'll see you guys on the backside. So welcome, Jerry West, to the Legends of Sport podcast. Um, Such an honor for me to have you as a guest, my friend. First off, I just I just want to get this out of the way. I want to thank Chris Wallace of the Clippers and especially your wife Karen for setting this up today. You know, in these days of publicists and social media managers and agents, you know, to just call Karen and she sets it up. But there's Jerry. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, you're looking good, man. How how are you guys doing? Well, I think everything is uh, probably the same for most people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to stay safe and, uh, you know, away from any potential contact with people that uh, it's not necessary, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But uh, frankly, it's pretty boring. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I sit around and wonder, you know, I need to do something. I just can't be cooped up. Uh, it's <laughs> been my life has been to kind of roam a little bit when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. all out in the woods all the time exploring things and as an adult uh uh the many interests that i've had in my life uh the one about the only one that i can really pursue now is reading because i like to read a lot Mm -hmm. and i think when you read 60 70 maybe 80 books in this period of time you get to the point that some books you start them they have no interest to uh, to you and you move on to another one to try Mm -hmm. to find something that will at least keep your attention. But uh, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Uh, uh, the one thing I find is that if I can see something that's competitive, and I'm talking about in the sports field, then certainly I would watch that. And now we have basketball back, a lot mm-hmm. of content. Mm-hmm. And so that passes a day a lot. But um, mm-hmm. as I say, it is frustrating for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people. Well, that, I, I, I got to ask you, Jerry, I mean, because I know I've known you for a long time. And even in the <clears> best <throat> of times, in a full arena, you can't sit still and watch a game. I mean, how, how are you dealing with um, not being able to go to a live game? I mean, you're sitting at home watching it in your easy chair or on your couch. It's got to be eating away at you. Well, you know, I think there's even as a player, <clears throat> there is an anticipation of uh, the d- game. Okay, mm-hmm. you had a, you had a, a, at least me, I had a plan. Okay, mm-hmm. I did the same thing in my life as a player for 14 years as a professional. Mm-hmm. In college, uh, you could only play uh, for three years. We even though we had a J- JV team, mm-hmm. so I had a routine that I followed and if i didn't follow it i feel like i was cheating myself or even cheating the game right and so now it's a little bit easier for me in terms of uh going to a game there's something about the crowd and even though the nba's done an unbelievable job of not only keeping players safe and providing competition but it doesn't seem the same but internally with me Mm -hmm. uh i just know knew that the uh, game days were special to me. I did the same thing in my life for 14 years as mm-hmm. a professional player. I mm-hmm. drew, drove to the game same way. Uh, had the same meal for 14 years in my mm-hmm. life before a game. 
and then come back at night, not be able to go to sleep and replay the game over and yeah. get ready to play the next day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, I mean, obviously you're, you must be in touch with the Clippers organization. How are you um, contributing being here and there, there? How does that work? Well, Andrew, you know, my job as a consultant, sometimes it gets overblown. I, you know, I do have a voice, and mm-hmm. uh, but we have a lot of voices over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really blessed to be with some people that I like a lot. And uh, the owners, uh, Steve Baum, were just a fantastic person in, in terms of uh, if people only knew him personally, uh, they would find a uniquely different person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his wife, Connie, are, are incredible givers uh, to causes that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. And to see a man who's been so successful uh, have other ways in his life that he can contribute to society and make this a better place, it's really heartwarming when you know the whole story. And he he and his wife, both, Connie, they both shy away from that. but uh, he is—he's a unique man, and and I wish we had more people, you know, not as owners, of course, mm-hmm. but but uh, that had the caring that he does for the for the causes in America and try to make this a better world to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and um, I love seeing the two of you confer during the game. You sit right behind me where I sit on the court, you know, which is really fun. And I love you can't do that anymore. I was getting ready to say this. No, is, no. I, no. I, I, what is this man doing on this talking on a on a podcast? I'm just trying to stay relevant, Jerry, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, try to eke out a living the best I can here. Um, But I've been doing this podcast for three years, which is great. And it sort of, you know, supplements me during the day when I got to work at night. But I'm headed to the bubble in a couple of weeks. So who knows what's in store for me when I get down there. But um, God willing, we will see um, the Clippers advancing. And who knows? You know, I don't want to jinx it. But, you know, we could see two teams that play in the same city in a conference final. I don't want to say what city or or the names of the teams, you know. But <laughs> that would be unbelievable. Well, that was, <laughs> I think that would be great. Honestly, I yeah. really do. Uh, I think it'd make the city come alive. Obviously, the Lakers history has been there forever, and yeah, and uh, you know, my many years there were filled with a lot of joy, a lot of sadness when you don't win all the time. But mm. uh, yeah, and working with some great people. But uh, uh, you know, I'm working. I'm not working. I'm involved. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you find someone, you, something you love to do, Andrew, you'll never work a day in your life. And uh, I've never worked a day in my life. And uh, yeah, if I feel like I'm not viable, then I just back up and leave. That's, yeah. the, that's the way I've always been in my life. I follow my own feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been fortunate to be involved with some really great people in this league. Yeah. So, Jerry, um you know, you, you struggled and suffered six times losing to the Celtics, right? And when I, get, when I started shooting at the forum and uh, I was told, don't ever wear green in this building. <laughs> that was told to me like straight out, <laughs> right? And you have made it abundantly clear in your book and elsewhere that you don't even like the city of Boston. You don't want to go to the city of Boston. You know, of course, you have a love for Bill Russell and, and all that. But is this still lingering, Jerry? You st- are you still holding on to this stuff? No, not really, Andrew. I've said it more than once. Uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for those guys um, and the people I played with. And you mentioned Bill Russell. I just talked to him yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. on the phone. And still, we we still communicate. Yeah. And uh, obviously, as someone, I forget 
sports, uh, someone I like personally. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice to still hear him, um, uh, speaking as other people that I communicate with in the league and mm-hmm. rivals, of course, but, uh, <clears throat> you, you, you gain great, great respect from the people that uh, you competed against, but more importantly, some of the p- people that you played with, you know, Elgin Baylor, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a day goes by. I don't think about him. We don't communicate hardly at all, which is sad, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, as someone I just loved as a person, uh, forget his play as a basketball player. Uh, he, who was, he was just an incredible player, but, uh, there's some people that I played with and obviously, uh, I don't mean to cherry pick names, but, uh, there's certainly players that, uh, I've had great admiration for. Yeah, for sure. So Jerry, you played during a very volatile era in the sixties, um, with civil rights and race issues at the forefront. Um, you made it really clear in your book and, and interviews I've, I've seen that, um, that you really empathize with the black players that you played with. Um, you know, they were Jim Crow laws. Players couldn't stay, black players couldn't stay in the same hotels. You know, it was, it was insane what was going on. And now we, we are back in um, this era of social justice and the players speaking out that they have bigger platforms now, of course. Um, how do you relate to what you went through and what you saw the league go through in the 60s to what's going on right now? Well, I've seen a lot in my life, <laughs> you know, a lot of things I didn't want to see, um, uh, things that were embarrassing to me as a white person, uh, to watch some of the things that have gone on. I, I just, um, I don't understand. I, I really don't understand. And I hate to see a police department or, uh, uh anything of service to our country, uh, have a, have a, some kind of a red mark on them. Uh, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. Mm. There's always a few people that overstep their boundaries. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think you can see it now with people who walk around with no mask on, uh, in an area which is dangerous to people and particularly people, my age, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lack of respect at what bothers me, uh, uh more than anything. Mm-hmm. People are human beings. Mm-hmm. We all should be treated alike. Yeah. And during my time, because we didn't travel the same way, we didn't have the same perks that everyone has today. We stayed in hotels that where you might find after a game uh, where we might be playing three nights in a row in the game mm. and we stayed in the same hotel. Mm-hmm. We'd be playing cards till four o'clock in the morning and have a six o'clock uh, uh, flight yeah. or a six o'clock pickup to go to the airport. Mm. And uh, those were times that we spent so much time together. And probably the greatest learning lesson I had about race was were with my black teammate. Because at that point in time, everyone had to go to school for four years. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about 22-year-old young men uh, who some of us wet behind the ears. But what they saw was completely different from what I saw. And my empathy toward race has always been there. Uh, everyone should have a right to have some dignity mm-hmm. in this country. Uh, there's a lot of people that have been disenfranchised and they certainly have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think today uh, with the prominence of our black athletes and their ability to speak and because they're so popular, people will listen and hopefully this will change the mind of people about how we should treat each other, not only with respect, with but with dignity mm-hmm. and respect different cultures. My goodness, in this city 
what do we have 90 different people that speak different languages or little communities here and there. And I, I think this is one of the things about Los Angeles that has made it so unique for me because I got a different perspective and seeing being a hillbilly from West Virginia <laughs> and to come and have a chance to experience other things in my life that I never dreamed possible unless I had the ability mm-hmm. to play basketball. Yeah. Well, Jerry, I, um, I reread your book and, uh, Man, it just, you know, the first time I read it, it was fantastic. But rereading it, Jerry, and um, having known you all this time, it's just there's so many things that that stood out to me. And there are two great autobiographies, probably the two best autobiographies that I've ever read. One is yours, and one is Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. I don't know if you read Bruce's, but there's, and I'm a huge Bruce fan, but aside from that, there are so many parallels. And for example, both of you came from working class backgrounds, you from West Virginia, him from New Jersey. Um, both of you were raised in difficult father-son relationships um, that affected both of you your whole lives. Both of you openly discuss your lo- lifelong battles with depression. You were incredibly, both of you, obsessed with your crafts, right? You with basketball and him with music. And both of you, you know, quite frankly, have had charmed yet tormented lives, which is the subtitle of your book, right? Um, so I had a long talk with your co-author, Jonathan Coleman, and the book was released in 2011, right? I believe, right? And I had asked Jonathan, um, so was this book a catharsis for Jerry? And he said that he believed that it wasn't a catharsis, but it was a cleansing that, that you told him that, right? So what did you mean by that, Jerry? I mean, what's the difference? Well, you know, I think, uh, a lot of us in life and a lot of people in life almost live um, a lie sometimes because it's not really who being an athlete was special to me. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't look at what formed the person that you become at all. And I know with me, uh, uh, you know, I was almost ashamed of any success I had. Uh, that would be hard for people to believe. Um, winning was the only thing that mattered. Uh, I didn't play for myself. I didn't play for adulation. The thing that mattered most to me, honestly, was to win. But you play, I played for the fans and obviously for your teammates. Uh, it was such an awkward, complicated life for me to go when I first came to Los Angeles. I mean, I had a lot of success in college as a player and a lot of, you know, I could have gone to a lot of different schools because mm-hmm. of my high school career. But I wanted to go to my state university uh, for whatever reason. I just wanted to go there. And frankly, it's the best thing I've ever done because mm-hmm. my connection with West Virginia is still very strong. Uh, as I told Steve, I, I wish I had been able to amass a lot of money because I would have, that would have been the, completely the charity of my choice, even though I've done some things for the university mm-hmm. to try to help kids get an education and mm-hmm. to honor my brother who was killed in Korea. But the awkward part of it is to, even at this point in time, uh, you know, I, I was reading last night and I'm, I'm saying to myself, you know, I wish I would have done something really important in my life, <laughs> something really important. And, and I'm, I'm serious, Andrew. Mm. Uh, being an athlete was easy. Uh, you know, I was given a gift. I was ultra competitive. And even today I'm competitive. But I, I just 
wish that I could have made an impact on a world in some, some different way. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I, when you go to bed at night and you start thinking about things like that, you realize there's so much more in this world, uh, that is important than just being an athlete. And yet people will, you know, fawn over people. More importantly, they will look at athletes as, is put them on a pedestal. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes we don't belong on that pedestal. And, uh, I think the, the greatest lessons I've learned in my life is giving, being kind to everyone. Um, I don't hate anyone. I mean, I literally don't hate anyone. I had I've had people in my life that have been very deceptive, uh, that I have not cared for. I don't hate anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wish everyone would adopt an honesty policy when we're dealing with each other instead of in this league, you know, players talk about each other behind their back, uh, criticize each other. This guy's not that good. That guy not that good. I just wish everyone would let people be who they are. Stop. I keep hearing this Mount Rushmore stuff. Okay. <laughs> Uh, for basketball players. Well, listen, we have a lot of players in this league who have had very good careers, but I look at them and everyone talks about them as the greatest players. They make the all pro team one time. Mm -hmm. That to me is not a great player. Someone is a great player. You've got to make at least, at least a minimum of eight times. Mm -hmm. That to me would define a a truly great player. And my definition of greatness and other people's definition of greatness is far removed from what people celebrate today. Yeah. But uh, I said, I've been lucky in my life. Uh, I'm thrilled that I was able to uh, have a career like I had disappointed that we didn't win more championships for the city of Los Angeles. And uh, as I say, I've had a lot of sadness there with mm-hmm. the Lakers, uh, a lot of joy mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess at the end, a lot of disappointment. Mm. Jerry, you know, I, I got to differ with uh, with what you said because athletes now, I guess maybe in your time it wasn't as, as true, but there are exceptions to that too. But now athletes have such a voice through their, their platforms. You know, they can be a hero on the court, which is great. And, you know, we see that with all, all the big stars in all the leagues. But they can really affect social change. They can really affect um voting they can bring bring topics to the forefront that have been left in the shadows and one of those very importantly is mental health issues and you know kevin love has led the way um in the nba with that but i i I honestly have to say that that your book you know which came out nine years ago um and coming from you with your history and who you are, I, th- I really give you the credit for leading the way in opening the conversation for mental health of athletes. Quite frankly, I do. And um, I, know, I know you don't want, ever want to see yourself as a trailblazer or anything like that, but I think that that, that gave athletes of today, they, it empowered them to come forward and speak. Well, I, you know, I think we all, um, I don't know all, all if everyone does because you have so many different people to talk to. I never uh, had sought help in my life for my particular problems. And uh, uh, I used to say suffer in silence. And I sort of learned how to deal with it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some days that I'd wake up and, and frankly, I didn't want to wake up. And, you know, when you, when you see uh, 
the enormous amount of suicide today. And I'm sure this pandemic, people inside not interacting with their friends, um, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's really, really difficult. And for me, there was times, honestly, Andrew, that that um, uh, I know a couple of times after uh, we lost in championships, uh, I didn't want to be around. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a, a horrible, horrible feeling to say someone who was health. Well, I think you always think you're healthy. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone in maybe the physically the prime of their life competing for the biggest prizes and the reject. It was almost like a total rejection. Mm-hmm. And when you reject people and when you only care about yourself. And honestly, I see that so much today. Uh, self-promotion, people uh, lying like like crazy about who they are. Why can't people just be honest about who they are and the problems they face? And I think this would be a better world. We're, we're creating uh, we're creating so much division in this country by people fudging on the truth all the time and uh, mm. and not being candid. And sometimes sometimes they get by with it. And sooner or later, I think there's a day in their life when they're when they're going to be older and not as relevant hmm. that maybe they'll look at themselves. I wish I hadn't have done this. I wish I hadn't said that. And there's so much of, of that that goes on in hmm. this world, but in a sports world where there's so many different uh, personalities involved, uh, where there's so many people who want to be relevant, uh, some of them embellish who they really are. Hmm. But as you mentioned, the players have an enormous <clears throat> platform to help mm-hmm. make a change. And I think anything related to uh, mental health, uh, emotional stability, uh, probably the worst thing in the world, I think, when you have this uh, problem uh, with with yourself and the person you talk to all the time is, is you. You don't talk to anyone else unless mm-hmm. you seek help. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just it's just a God awful feeling to have looked at yourself and have no self-worth at all, regardless mm-hmm. of what you've accomplished. Um, and, you know, I, I think today you see so many, and I see these very accomplished people in sports and, and, and uh, people who are writers, creative, really smart people. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you, know, you look, you look and they're gone by their own doing. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad to, to see people who are so gifted and so talented leave much too early. Yeah, it's true. And um, there is help out there. And, and we're finding out now, you know, more and more that athletes are speaking up. I don't know if you saw the documentary that just came out on HBO called The Weight of Gold. Have you seen that? Really fantastic documentary. Repeat that again. The it's greatest. called The Weight of Gold. It's it's Olympic athletes like like Michael Phelps, Lolo Jones, Apollo Ono, Sasha Cohen, talking about the very issues you wrote about in your book that we're talking about right now. Depression, you know, Olympic athletes, they compete, you know, it's 45 seconds and that's going to determine their entire life, <laughs> you know. Um, all the financial hardships they went through, uh, how they define themselves. Excellent documentary, and I totally recommend that you well, I will, see it. I will look at it because, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, there's one, one thing I'm, uh, I'm, you can talk about, too, I think it would probably weigh heavily in, in those people who you're talking about, the Olympic people. Mm-hmm. Individual sports, okay? 
if you think of all the hard work you put in individual sport and you lose, yeah, and maybe you just didn't have, maybe you're the, maybe you were the best. You've proven you're the best a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And you had one day when you just didn't quite have it. You think of all the training that they went through, all the trauma they went through to get where they are. Mm. And all of a sudden an individual sport would put more pressure on someone who's depressed in a team sport, because in the team sport, other people are supposed to con- are supposed to contribute to winning, mm. and sometimes the onus on winning is one or two guys. <laughs> they'll carry those people along like a pack horse, mm-hmm. and um, they'll make them win. But uh, it's it's great when you win. There's an elation that's hard to even describe. Winning a gold medal on a team. Mm. It was the greatest thrill of my life, better than winning a championship or being involved with other championship teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the greatest lesson of my, uh, of my life to, as an amateur, to win a gold medal. Yeah. Uh, it never, never crossed my mind when I was growing up that I would have a chance to represent our country. And obviously, uh, having a brother killed in Korea during the war has made me probably, um, very much of a fan of the military and, what they do put their lives in dangers every day mm-hmm. when if there's combat and you go home a day and your brother or a loved one is in a service and you get a no- notice from the uh from the authorities that they're gone mm-hmm. um i'll never forget that day it's probably the rawest day of my life mm-hmm. uh, yeah i can remember distinctly everything I, that day i was 13 years old I can remember distinctly exactly what I did all day, Mm -hmm. all day. And, um, life changing moment for me, probably the thing that made me from being because of what I saw in my house, um, to be kind of a confrontational kid, even though I was really little, Mm. um, to being like a completely someone who wouldn't talk or wouldn't interact with anyone. What's up, everyone? I'm Kobe Bryant, and if you want to learn anything about what the Mamba mentality is, I suggest you listen to Legends of Sport. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you think that your, your really incredible competitive spirit was um, fueled? By the loss of your brother, like you, you, you talk about it in the book, and I can't really express what you said, but 
you talk about throughout the book how your brothers, um, the loss of your brother stayed with you your whole life and drove you, right? But it drove you like to the nth degree. And um, did that competitiveness start before his death or it came afterwards? Well, you know something, Andrew, I've always been ultra competitive. And frankly, it's almost ridiculous at 82 years of age, I'm still that way. I don't like to lose. Um, uh, but I, I think you have to learn how to lose, mm-hmm. but you also have to learn how to win. And, um, as I say, I, I don't think that did it for me, but it just changed me as a person completely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, beside my bed every once in a while, I have a bunch of letters my brother wrote from the Korean war in the, what, 43, 1943, 1942, mm-hmm. they were passed along to me. And, um, Obviously, there wasn't much time to write because they were in combat. They were, they, they were in Seoul, and I think they got driven out of Seoul two or three different times. Mm. And he was deeply religious. And uh, just reading these simple little letters, they might not be more than more than two paragraphs because he didn't have time. Mm. And that's how simply they were written. But it's almost like he wanted to say hello to everyone. And uh, mm. I will... When I'm in one of my dark moods, mm. I'll go pick that those up and read them, and uh, probably shouldn't even read them because it makes it even worse anymore. Mm. But um, mm. it's something that I've embraced. Uh, his death uh, will never understand why someone as deeply religious as him mm-hmm. could get uh, could get killed. And my question of <clears throat> my question of faith is always been shaken by by that incident and uh as a lot of people i'm sure so jerry when uh when kobe died so suddenly with his daughter and all those people on the helicopter in january i mean it had to be had to bring that back to you right i mean it was such a shock for all of us and all of us who knew him and loved him as much as you did um I mean, it just to this day six months later i just still can't process it i'm sitting here in front of me probably 50 pictures of Kobe up on my walls because I have to constantly be looking at him all the time. And I talk to him sometimes, <laughs> honestly. And thank God we have our book together that we did that kind of is the thread now, you know, for for the millions and millions of fans out there. Um, you know, I, I, I watched some of the interviews you did after the tragedy. Um, you know, I know how much he meant to you. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even really know what I'm going to ask you, but uh, how are you dealing with that now? I mean, it's it's still raw. It's still a shock. Um, well, um, good question, Andrew. Um, you know, I think you come to have to come to grips with things, okay? You know, the finality of something is there. And when I, um, you know, when I think back to that day, I'm sitting here on a Sunday morning reading the newspaper um as i always do because i love to read Mm -hmm. and i'm watching i get a call and said somebody said there's a helicopter crash and all of a sudden they suspect that it might have been kobe on that plane with Mm -hmm. other people and the first thing you do you you start to worry okay please this can't happen to him okay he's got too much of a life to give his, uh, uh, you know, his career afterwards was going to be bigger than, than it was as an athlete. And I think the suddenness of it and his age, 
but more importantly, the daughter. And mm-hmm. let's not forget the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It just was gut wrenching to me to think that they'd been taken. And um, I'll never forget. And obviously, you took the pictures uh, of some of the times I saw him sitting into games with his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Gianna, on the floor. And to see the joy, uh, to see the love between those two, it was just amazing. Mm. And I know this is a terrible thing to say, but people, uh, when you have kids, you try never to make a difference. But I think there was a different connection there with him and her. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. as I say, he, you know, his legacy will never be forgotten. <laughs> uh, you know, and mm. what it was about taking his daughter to compete. Yeah. And that's who he was. He was the ultimate competitor with the ultimate skill and playing in a city, Los Angeles obviously made his legend bigger. Um, it just resonated. He resonated with so many people because basketball is a worldwide game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the importance, as you mentioned of athletes, um, uh, of his caliber and there's not many of his caliber. Let's mm-hmm. face it. There's not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he just, it was just gut wrenching. And we have obviously some pictures here with him and my kids. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, when I look at them, I say, Oh my God, look how long, young he was. Mm-hmm. And look, look how young my kids were. And, um, those are the constant reminders and, that I have. And, you know, you'll see a basketball game, you'll see a play, and mm, say, mm, uh, that's something that looked like something that, that Kobe would have done. Because you know people in this league, if their ability allows them to do it, will copy other players. And unless you have that kind of skill, you're not going to be able to copy them. But mm-hmm. uh, it just, I think for – in our house for probably two weeks, it was really quiet really quiet and yeah it couldn't go by uh something uh, that didn't remind you of him and a constant reminder on tv they just they wouldn't let it rest it and it almost made me mad because it seemed like it was becoming a, a coming becoming a commercial reality instead of letting his family grieve and uh uh, just not put it out there every day, but honestly, it started to make me mad, uh, mad that he was gone, but mad that people would try to take advantage of, of someone's death to make money off of it. Mm. So Jerry, when, when Kobe decided to retire 20 years, amazing career, right? Um, I mean, you drafted, him, you've traded for him in the draft and you knew him as a, as a youngster, and uh, everything you just described about becoming, you know, this wily veteran, father, multi, you know, um, championships, MVPs. Um, it was a little bit, to me, a little reminiscent of when you decided to retire in 74, uh, right? I mean, you probably could have played some more, right? I mean, I know physically. I'm right? sure I could have Yeah. And, sure he, and he could have, too. I mean, did he call you did you guys talk about it before he announced it no we hadn't i you know i hadn't um because i was involved with someone else i, I never 
have tried to remain in contact with players. Okay. I just mm-hmm. haven't mm-hmm. because I don't think it's my, uh, I did. First of all, people, you know, if you say something nice about a player today and what, what derogatory thing was I going to say about him? Now, if I, if I came out and said he was a bum or this or that, <laughs> then I probably wouldn't have got fine. But, um, yeah. as I say, it just, it just, his time was up. Okay. His time was up. Mm. He could not have played. And that year was a difficult year for him, Andrew, mm-hmm. a very difficult year. Yep. It wasn't a typical Kobe Bryant year. Mm. And I think the last game made when he had, I don't know how many points, he had a ton of points in the last game. Yeah. <laughs> that probably, if he would have come there and laid an egg that, that game, uh, I'm wondering if people would have, you know, the praise that he got from that last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if people will look at it a little bit different, but that wasn't his best, Andrew. Mm-hmm. That season was not his best. Mm-hmm. And I think as a player, you know when you don't want to go on to damage what what you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. And he, he was smart enough. He was engaged enough in other things. Uh, he was finding um, other avenues to make himself relevant but something that I think he really he really enjoyed doing. Mm. This was one very smart person, mm. one very very smart person. Mm. But more importantly, he was going to pursue he was going to pursue something. Some players, athletes, um, they don't have the opportunity he had. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, they don't have the drive that he had mm. to be able to to have a vision to do something. And he was not only able to do it but he associated himself with people that could lead him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, it was a sad day and a going, uh, going to the uh, memorial it was a very interesting day. Okay. Very interesting day. Because, and you see a lot of people there, you sort of, uh, that are obviously fans and, uh, and uh, the tribute was paid to him was mm-hmm. remarkable. Mm-hmm. But, um, as I say, his legacy will live forever. Um, that was just a horrible day in the West household. Yeah, I, I can imagine, as it was in mine and millions of others. Um, you know, Kobe had a famous saying, Jerry, and you've probably heard it, that if you're not obsessed with what you do, we don't speak the same language. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's safe to say that you guys spoke the same language, you know, and then some, because I'm sure you saw – the edge in him that you had, um, the drive, the competitiveness. Um, you know, and you talk so eloquently in, in the book about that you felt like you were a surrogate father to him. That your your son Ryan, especially, was very close with him um, in those early days. You know, I, I think we just we just have to be thankful that he came into our lives. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. And uh, I am I'm thankful that I was able to be around this guy for 20 years. How amazing was that? Well, you know, as I say, I think all of us who had shared time with him, he found that he was a, he was different. Okay, mm-hmm. he wasn't a, he wasn't your typical athlete. Yeah. Uh, you know, he uh, his skill level obviously was off the chart, and his competitive level was so easy to see. I would tell you this: there's a lot of people that are as competitive as him, mm-hmm. a lot, but and have the skill to do it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and, you know, everyone has a different way of being competitive. You know, he's vocal, uh, you know, Irvin Johnson, very vocal when he played, you know, jumping all over the place. Kobe was, you know, his reaction, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. But trust me, there's a lot of other guys out there that are hyper competitive mm-hmm. that just don't project it 
the way he did. Mm. And I think that's what captured the imagination. Yeah. Of forget older people. The ones that matter most are the kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the ones that matter most because mm-hmm. that's who drags mama and dad to the game. <laughs> they grow up with somebody like him because of the length of his career, they might've been 10 years old. And when they started and all of a sudden, 20 years later, they're 30 and they might have kids and they're dragging them to game <laughs> to see the greatness of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. And this creates fans forever. And certainly the Lakers don't like their fans in Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Um, Hey, Jerry, I was there in 2008 in Springfield when you um, were part of that roundtable discussion that NBA Entertainment put together for um, Pat Riley's enshrinement, the Hall of Fame. What, what was going through your mind? Were you sitting with all these guys that you were the architect of their championships? I mean, we all know that. What, could you remember back then in 2008 what was going through your mind sitting with these guys and just kibitzing and, and going over, you know, some great memories? Well, first of all, uh, Andrew, I hate going to the Hall of Fame. Okay? I almost <laughs> didn't go. Uh, listen, uh, seriously, I almost yeah. did not go. Right. And I was recipient of it. I, I said, why should I go this? I, I just, again, the attention you get yeah. uh, was way too much and over the top. And, you know, as I say, Somebody said, well, you know, hopefully if Kobe Bryant would have been alive, hope, hopefully he'll get elected. Come on. He was going to get elected, <laughs> yeah, period. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, but that was an interesting day because I, I think that um, I had obviously been part of uh, bringing uh, these players to Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I think the different thing that you see out of is the, are the ones who uh, are much more vocal, uh, the ones who are quieter. And I've always had my favorites because I've seemed to favor the quieter ones. Okay. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, more like, more like my personality, but I sat there and listened to it. And some of it was, <clears throat> would, I think somebody would say something, Oh my God, I almost forgot that. Right. Right. Because you, you, you did so much of that. And, uh, but at the end of the day, sitting there, you start looking at these players and you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so there's a believability when you're talking about things like that. But Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the thing I felt best, obviously, was being around those guys because you don't see them very often. You don't have a chance to have any personal chats. It's never about sports. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was pretty thrilling. And obviously when Pat got in, you know, I remember as a player, he didn't get an opportunity to play as much. And, Hmm. and uh, he had a a crazy way of getting involved and coaching the Lakers. And he's had enormous success since then. And obviously I'm very proud of him. He and I were very close when, Mm -hmm. particularly when we were players. And uh, that situation always changes when you're a coach and, you know, (laughs) and, and GM, uh, Right. Uh, it's a little bit more balancing act than, than uh, being a player and a player. 
Yeah, you talk about your relationship in the book. It, it, it's just fantastic. And, and um, to be there, you know, a, a fly on the wall for that conversation just like made my year, to be honest with you. I loved it. Um, so, Jerry, last thing I want to talk about, okay, and, and I don't want to call it the last act because I, I, I think you got a lot more to go. But at 79 years old, you took the job with the Clippers, right, as a consultant. Now, a lot of people at 79, Jerry, quite frankly, what you've accomplished and the life that you have would, you know, be, uh, you know, playing golf every day or, you know, hanging That's out at the club. I hardly ever play golf. <laughs> yeah. I was with you in Maui that time when we, when you went, you went to play golf and I drove the cart, but that was another story. Anyway, um, why did you do it, Jerry? I mean, really, I mean, I, I've heard you talk about it. It was at the press conference, but you never really said like why you took that job. Well, first of all, Steve Ballmer, if you're around him, mm-hmm. uh, he's infectious, okay? Mm-hmm. He's the most straightforward guy. He doesn't beat around the bush. He's just there, okay? Yeah. And um, I, I'm just too competitive, even to this day, mm-hmm. to sit around, okay? I'm just too competitive. And obviously, uh, you know, when someone wants you, that feels pretty good, okay? Yeah. They still feel that you haven't, uh, that you have something to give. And obviously I wasn't one of some other places. Okay. So, um, it was just a good feeling. And I work with a lot of basketball people a lot. Mm-hmm. And my preference is to work with basketball people instead of people that don't have any basketball experience, except watching films and going to games and everything who get involved with teams. And mm-hmm. this place has got a lot of basketball people there. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the most formal teams in basketball. Mm-hmm. It is by far. Uh, I, I wouldn't trade our top 10 guys for any team in the league, not one. Mm-hmm. And I just think we're that deep. If we could just ever have a healthy mm-hmm. group of people or people together, I've never seen anything like it this mm-hmm. year. But I do think we're very capable. Uh, some of the things that have been done there in a short period of time uh, are pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. And there are probably five years left here for this team to be really good mm-hmm. uh, because all these players are going to be in their prime. And when I look at other teams, aging of players, look at the age of players, uh, we should be here for a while in Los Angeles. And hopefully we'll uh, have an opportunity again, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, how fun would it be for the Clippers and Lakers to play, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be for bragging rights of the city? It might be bragging rights for a season mm-hmm. if the Clippers would win. But mm-hmm. the Lakers' history and the people they've had playing here, mm-hmm. uh, that's never going to go away. But from now on, uh, when they have a new building here, mm-hmm. they're going to have their own group of fans. They're going to be completely different than Laker fans. And that's why I think what makes life so interesting, okay? <laughs> I really do. It's all about competition, and let's hope the best team wins, and I think we have the best team. Yeah, well, look, I, I can't wait to get down there and see all these teams, especially the two L.A. teams, and uh, like I said earlier, God willing, they'll go head-to-head. You know, it won't be a hallway series um, like we had hoped at Staples Center, but I think these guys would – play against each other anywhere, you know, <laughs> at a playground or YMCA, well, it doesn't matter. Know, this is really an awkward, <laughs> unique time. It really yeah. is. I, I don't know how, um, as I say, there's something about the day of the game. Yeah. How do these players in their own mind, uh, and this is a remarkable part about these players, adapt themselves from uh, being uh, 
uh, you know, preparing themselves to be there before a lot of people. And all of a sudden they're by themselves and <clears throat> somewhere along the way, you have to, even though you respect other players, you've got to find a way to dislike them for 48 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you seem to have that down pat when you were playing <laughs> i didn't like anyone i played against i don't care who they were yeah <laughs> I, I hated them all yeah well, i don't I, hate hate them all i just didn't like them that day and you got the nine what nine broken noses to show for it <laughs> well more than that yeah nine broken noses a lot of uh, uh there's a lot of internal things that will be worse than a broken nose yeah i hear you <laughs> Well, Jerry, this want to, I want to thank you again. I mean, this fantastic conversation. I've known you for so long, and um, in the intro to this, and I'm going to send it to you when it comes out, I'm going to recant the first time. Well, I'm going to tell it actually right now, if you have a second. The first time I met you, you're not going to remember this. I'm sure you won't, but it was the— like, You had a lot more hair then. I had a lot more hair. I had a, I had a disco mustache going, you know. That's right. And um, I was sent by the NBA to get a a photo of Jerry West in his office at the Forum, right? This is like 1985 or six. Here I'm this young photographer. I'm and this is, my dad had the perfect expression. I am sweating bullets, okay? Because like you, you had this aura about you. I, I had never talked to you. We, you know, had never interacted. And all of a sudden, I got to go up there, and I go and I, I'll remember this like it was yesterday. And Mary Lou greets me at the door, and she looks at me like, "Don't screw this up." <laughs> just you didn't say it, but I just felt it. And thank God you were on the phone when I went in your office. And you remember it was that paneled office and everything. And we'll show the picture. And it gave me a few minutes to set up lights and stuff. And I thought you were going to get me out of there in like two seconds. But you couldn't have been more gracious because I think you sensed this like fear that was coming at me. <laughs> and I, I was a pretty self-confident guy back then, you know. But um, I'll never be able to thank you enough for that. And um uh, it, it was one of those moments in my career that I'll, I'll always remember. It, it empowered me, quite frankly, and uh, gave me a lot of confidence. And our relationship, you know, has been great ever since when I stopped being afraid of you. <laughs> well, Andrew, you know, <clears throat> other than the players, you're probably the well uh, best-known man in the league, okay, <laughs> other than the players. but uh, Wow, that's say, a high compliment coming from you. Remarkable run. And um, I think the the one thing, again, I've always tried, tried to do, I have never, to my knowledge, mistreated anyone. Uh, I've had some conversations with writers that were not very much fun sometimes because mm-hmm. of some of their commercial opinions about <laughs> what they think is right and what they think is wrong. Right. And uh, But, no, I, I try to treat everyone nice. And it's yeah. just, just part of who I am, part of where I came from. And I will never, I will never, ever change that. It's not going to ever happen. No, I've seen you and there's, you know, fantastic story in the book about how you and Lee Moore were friends. And, and, you know, no one, no one in the world knows who Lee Moore is except in your book and people like me and John Black and people who saw him every day. But, you know, you just had this knack, you still do have this knack of just being so approachable in a way that, that, just disarms people. I think it's just because they don't, they can't imagine. I mean, here, you know, I'm going to call you the logo. I know you hate that, but you know, people, I mean, this is the logo, but you can't, you know, how do you, how do you approach him? But once people, you know, approach you, you are, you know, just the friendliest guy out there. It's just amazing to me. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate Andrew, but um, there's a right way and a wrong way to treat people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this world would be better if we would be more civil, try to help people yeah. uh, accomplish what they want to accomplish. More importantly, help people do their jobs. And, mm -hmm. you know, I always read today, you know, we've got leaks in this organization. We've got leaks in this organization. <laughs> I think it's despicable for me to hear that. And let me tell you why, because mm -hmm. the agents are the ones who constantly mm -hmm. uh, are putting these rumors out there. And then um, there's one person in our league. It has, might might as well be sitting in everyone's office, and that's um, <laughs> <clears throat> that's Woj and uh, yeah. Adrian Wojnarowski, and uh, who's a wonderful guy, and he announces a trade before it's even made. Okay, so he is in close contact with all the people, mm. agents, and mm. GMs, and I have to laugh when I hear these people. Well. It's, it, it, this is not the damn CIA, okay? <laughs> this is about communicating with people, and some people right. just can't keep their mouth shut to something that's really important. But mm. um, as I say, this world is ever-changing, and I think the thing that makes people uh, who are, I think, who prosper, the ability Mm -hmm. to be able to uh, to adjust to, to the things going on in this world. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, Jerry, one, one very last thing. So, mazel tov to you and Karen, your family, for Johnny okay. and, and Michelle, for the baby, um, little McKenna. Have you been able to see McKenna since she was born? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. All right, good. I just, saw his mom, I just saw his mommy on TV this morning talking about men's golf. I know she's back doing golf commentary that's fantastic so here's the question knowing how competitive you are and she is a world-class golfer you know one of the greatest of all time men or women do you get on out on the links with her and compete with her <laughs> and how does that go if you do well andrew at one time i could have competed with her okay I could have. <laughs> yeah but she is just she's a unique talent she's been hurt so much in her career which is Mm -hmm. been detrimental to her winning more but uh as i say couldn't find a nice nicer person and mm -hmm. uh matter of fact they're going to be here in los angeles this week and we're yeah. gonna go to west virginia my uh my home state which um we're going to go there i have a house there at the greenbrier which is uh mm -hmm. we're going to go there for about almost three weeks mm -hmm. and just hang out with a, a lot of my west virginia buddies and um be nice to see them uh, that's so great, Jerry. And uh, I wish you guys the best. Um, most importantly, just stay healthy and safe, obviously. But uh, when I get to the bubble, somehow I'll I'll wave to you. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to happen, but I, I will. Do that. Well, you always have the best seats in the house. Okay? That's true, right? That's yeah, I always say that's that. Right. They actually pay me to sit there with people behind me are paying god awful amount of money to sit in those seats. So I don't know how that works. Well, you're you're going to have to. <laughs> thank God you're not big. Okay, you're not you're not a giant of a man. That right. helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you can see over great, my. Great to talk to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Jerry. So great, and send my love to Karen and the rest of the family, please. And thanks okay, for your thank time you so today. Much. Okay, buddy. Continue good success. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Thanks, you're welcome. Bye. Well, folks, uh, <laughs> what a great experience to uh, sit down and talk with Jerry West for such a long time. Um, 
What a great guy. I've had numerous conversations with him over the years. Usually they're pretty quick. You know, Jerry likes to get in, likes to get out. But I will relate a story, which I didn't talk about um, in the podcast, about the time that I was in Maui for uh, Jerry West and Magic Johnson's adult camp. They were doing a fantasy camp in Maui. So I was out there. I was shooting. I had a portrait shoot to do of some kind. And uh, somebody had given me a ride from the hotel to the gym. Lo and behold, I finished packing up, and my ride had left. Nobody else was there except for Jerry. And <laughs> I looked at him. He looked at me. He goes, you need a ride, kid? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could use a ride. So there I was uh, in the car next to Jerry West and chatting and, and having a great time. And it was just just tells everybody what kind of man he is that he would befriend even a lowly photographer like me. But the stories in his book, folks, you got to get this book. Um, I know that I'm, I'm hawking this book, but it's terrific. Jonathan Coleman and Jerry wrote this amazing book, um, West by West, my charmed and tormented life. <laughs> Enough said. So thank you, Veronica, uh, my great researcher and producer, Veronica on for really doing a fantastic job on this podcast, as always. Thank you to all of you for continuing to download. And keep telling your friends, please, because uh, we love bringing this podcast to you every week. On our Instagram, please follow us, at Legends of Sport. On our Twitter, at Legends underscore of Sport, our blog, legendsofsport.blog and my photography of course at ADB Photo Inc and the last thing which I always try not to forget is our TikTok and YouTube channels which is Legends of Sport (laughs) really great to be with you guys this week can't wait to come back next week with another episode of Legends of Sport restarting the clock until then stay well stay safe and wear your mask see ya With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.